Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next interview was a real treat. Uh, I was able to uh, have, have a, a long and a substantive and intimate conversation with Mark Pellegrino. You you know him uh, in other capacities probably than somebody who would call themselves radically consistent or an objectivist or somebody who might be talking about metaphysics or epistemology. He's, he's an actor and he's been in pretty much everything. You really need to look up Mark's uh, IMDb profile. His filmography is quite remarkable. It's deep. It's wide. You probably know him for Supernatural or maybe Lost, maybe 13 Reasons Why. Being human. How about the Big Lebowski? I mean, the list the list is pretty endless. But we we and and believe it or not, we did talk a little bit about uh, Mark's acting. We talked about how he, how he stepped into it and how he kind of you know in his words won the lottery and and where he came from and where he's heading. And he we 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 talked about self assertion and collaboration and and how he has this sort of systemic approach to his to his art and and how he looks in scripts for for human moments, which I think is really quite quite a delightful notion and I mean applicable to pretty much everything we do it's applicable to who we are as humans and and our, our families and our the communities we work in the schools we attend and the places we go uh, the dance floors we dance on we talked about choice and about context we talk about uh, capitalism and about the misinformation around it we talk about the the, the two-party systems uh, system and, and and the issues with that what, what and what does it actually mean to be radically consistent and and how mark mark talks a great deal about how how ethics is is linked to 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 human thriving we talk about living we talk about life the the notion of volition and intellectual curiosity am i am i getting your uh, uh is is your is your level of interest ra- being raised here i i, I sure hope so uh, please uh, stay tuned uh, for for a conversation about pretty much everything i i can't wait for part two with mark i'm looking forward to it uh, very much and if you want to find out more about uh, the work that i do davidpecklive.com you can do that that there find out more about my speaking and my writing 
And don't forget, if you want to support the work I'm doing on Face to Face, you can do that through Patreon.com and uh, get behind me uh, financially in what we're doing here at Face to Face. And if you can't do that, and I totally get that, uh, a review or, or a quote or, or, or something out there somewhere would be great. Uh, follow us on social. Share us with your friends. If you want to advertise on the podcast, please do reach out as well. And don't forget another platform I'm on, rabble.ca. Lots of other writers, thinkers, journalists, podcasters, people you want to be listening to, people you want to be thinking about and reading. Don't forget to head there as well. Coming right up, Mark Pellegrino. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by a very special guest with us here today. An interview I've really been looking forward to. Mark Pellegrino is with us today uh, here on Face to Face to talk about, uh, not exactly sure where we're going to go, but let's get this out of the gate. Mark, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. So where, where do we start? Do we start with Hollywood? Do we start with, do we start with the, the screenplay and the story? Do we start with individualism? What, when, when, where would you start, Mark, maybe is, is a good question. <laughs> you've, you've, you've been in, uh, I, I can't believe, by the way, your, your CV, your IMDb CV is just, it's remarkable, the stuff that you've been in and the, the people you've worked alongside. Maybe you can kind of set us, uh, set my guests up with a little bit of context and, and, and then, of course, we're going to talk a bit about the American Capitalist Party for sure. Cool. Okay. Um, yeah, may, maybe my IMDb uh, page will, will shift. Uh, the, the, the more Hollywood starts to learn that I'm an individualist, um, but that, that remains to be seen. Um, I got into acting in the late 80s, 87. I was in my uh, early 20s. Sort of stumbled into it by chance and uh, and started working before I I even knew what the craft of acting was right. um, and uh, and then um, again seemingly by chance I'm not one who believes in that that type of stuff but it, it would appear to apply to parts of my life um, I started studying with a, a theater company called Playhouse West in uh, in Studio City. And uh, that became sort of my um, my my technique home, and hmm. uh, it was based on the Sanford Meisner technique. And Sanford Meisner, uh, when he was transitioning from New York to Los and Beckley uh, to to Los Angeles, actually used our school as as a sort of transition stage and and taught classes there for a while. And I was fortunate enough to sit in on those classes, and that introduced me to craft and. Hmm. And and um, and made me fall in love with it, and uh, and then I started, you know, going through that long arduous journey of learning to apply what, the, the classroom antics to uh, to actual life, and there was there was quite uh, it's quite a difficult transition doing that, mainly in you know just standing up and and uh, asserting yourself in in uh, in a collaborative effort where right. the actor is usually the last piece of the puzzle to be <laughs> the creative puzzle. Um, and, and that just, uh, that sort of self-assertion sort of came with, um, with, uh, with age and, uh, doing the wrong things and, compromi- <laughs> and compromising enough to, so that it became intolerable to compromise. I think, I, I think, I think one of the sound bites already is for me is self-assertion came with age. It's, it's lovely. I love it. It's a great opening line for something. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think, you know, I think you start uh, with time. The good thing about aging is that you sort of burn off uh, whatever whatever false beliefs you held and whatever, mm. uh, you 
whatever ideas you held about how you should be esteemed by your fellow man um, becomes more important to um, self-actualize and realize um, your potential than than you know to be concerned about what other people think about what you're doing. And that comes with time. Some people are fortunate enough to have that from the get-go. Um, and some have to learn it as I've had to learn and I'm still learning. So many places I want to dive in there and we're, we're you know what, I'm going to say this right out of the gate that we're, we're, we're barely going to scratch the surface. I can, I can sense that already as we, we, we just start down this road. Tell me a little bit more about, about you know, you said introduced you to craft. What, what, do you, what do you mean by that? Is, it, is, that, is that technique? Is that a way about stepping into a character? Is it, is it, you know, is it, is it about self-assertion? It is, yeah, it is yes, all of the above. <laughs> In my opinion, I'm sure different actors would have different responses to what, what craft is. But to me, craft is an, is an overall systematic approach to your art mm. and, and, a, and one that involves uh, as much conscientiousness and awareness in the process as possible. And that isn't self-evident to a lot of people. Some, some, you know, we're, we're actors. We run in a world where good acting looks so effortless that it appears to the person watching that it requires nothing. Of it. <laughs> right. What's what's and, so hard about that, Mark? I mean, come on. Right. And, yeah. Um, and, and and so I think people come to Hollywood with the notion that all I got to do is just get up there and <clears throat> maybe be myself, and and you know. Uh, it'll just every all the dominoes will fall the way I intend them to, and that's that's you know being yourself is is even a a trick that requires craft mm. and a great deal of work. Um, and so for me, it was about finding a systematic approach to um, a, uh, breaking down a script and a systematic approach to um, applying the discoveries that I've made in the script to an actual human moment. And, uh, and in the end, learning to leave myself alone so that the, the human moment can actually happen between me and the other actor. Is there a sense in, is there a sense in which you, and I love, I love all the metaphors we're touching on here, but, but, and I think of some of your CV as well, and I'm going to definitely in my pre-intro intro sort of let our listeners know if they haven't, if they don't already, if they're not a fan and so on, and don't know your background. Some of the some of the stuff that you've 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 worked in, it seems to me is, um, I don't know, uh, it, it, can I say profoundly meaningful? I mean, it, you know, I mean, deep scripts, uh, uh, spiritual scripts, uh, a lot of substance there. And I, I, I mean, I don't know if that was by choice or if that's just kind of how it fell into place over time. And, or, and, you know, you know, Kierkegaard said we, you know, we step into it, but we only understand, step into the future, we only understand when we look back. But I wonder, you know, I love what you just said about discovering in a script this human moment. I wonder if you've actually chosen to do that over the years. Um, is, that a, is that a fair question? I mean, it is. I think. I think a lot. A lot. Of people can be quite conscious and, and um, <clears throat> directed in the projects that they choose. And I, I think the more established you become, the easier it is to do that. Um, right. I mean, for me, a great portion of at least half of my career was just about you know putting bread and onions on the table <laughs> right. and doing the best I could with whatever I had. And um, later on, it became uh, it became more about 
choice uh, in in the in the I don't want to say the purest sense of the word because right. I mean you're you're always making choices, but you know sometimes it's between do I take this job that I don't necessarily like or doesn't communicate the best values in the world or the characters a little superficial or do I put you know um, food on the table and keep the lights on um, when you don't have that. Uh, you know, blaring, uh, simple issue of survival staring you in the face, you can be a little bit more circumspect about what you what you take and what you don't. Um, I, I still think to some degree it's been somewhat accidental that huh. if, if I've done anything with, with significant meaning that it's, it's um, if it hasn't been produced by me, it's been more or less uh, a bit of a, a, a winning the lottery <laughs> right. for lack of, for lack of a, of a better term. I um, always, yeah, I, I, you know, the whole notion of, 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 and I'm sure, you know, if we had a screenplay writer or, or a, a, sorry, a screenwriter or an author on, on the line, this idea of authorial intention, they'd have a, probably something to say about that. But again, you know, mm-hmm. you, you look back and I mean, you're the only one who had anything to do with it as far as I'm concerned. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like sure. you're, you're the one who said yes to this and no to that. And, and it was for, you know, this is what a confluence of events is all about. It seems to me. This is what you know, splash and ripple is all about. When you when you look back, it it, it kind of starts to make some sense. That's true. Unfortunately, I, I don't think. And once again, this is different for everyone. But I don't I don't think you necessarily have a a rational grasp on how to choose right uh, early on in life. I don't I don't think you have the proper context, and and you just simply don't know enough, or you're. Or you're overcome with, um, you know, um, some kind of prejudice or emotion right. that that pulls you away from the right thing to do, and and it takes it takes a great deal of context building to get to the point where mm-hmm. you can sort of set all those uh, objects up and knock them down in the right order. Um, you you, you it, only with age, as you said earlier, you you know, you, to your point, you burn off those false beliefs. <clears throat> yes. Yes. Uh, so are you, you say, um, you know, co- co-founder of, of um, the American um, uh, capitalist uh, par- party, um, you say that Hollywood is going to maybe turn their back on you? Is that, is that, <laughs> is that a... I, keep, I keep anticipating that. Right. And, and, and a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of podcasts that I do, um, and many of the hosts wonder if, if, I have experienced any backlash from my political beliefs so far that I know of, <clears throat> I haven't, but I think that's mainly because, um, as a capitalist, you, you know, there's, of course, there's, there's a lot of misinformation, mm-hmm. uh, and presumptions floating around about capitalism, but you tend as a capitalist, you tend to fall into a, a political camp that is unfamiliar to both sides of our you're in Canada, so of our political spectrum, sure. Which which is basically a two party system, left and right. That they they think they've got um, some big differences uh, when when they actually don't. And so you you end up falling in between the cracks and and become in in the minds of most people sort of an uh, undefinable entity, you know. Right. Like, and I think that sort of saves me because. Uh, I think my my left of leaning friends in Hollywood could definitely point to um, many of the things that I hold to be true, and so well, those are quote unquote liberal, uh, left liberal ideas, and some of my conservative friends, which are far uh, fewer uh, in Hollywood, can point to some of my uh, my 
beliefs and say, oh, those seem to be um, conservative beliefs. So they don't quite know how to classify me. And I think that saves me a little bit of trouble. Right, right. Do, and, and has this sort of, I mean, obviously it's it's developed over time, I suppose, but was there a point in your life that you can look back and say, you know, this was the shift, this, you know, it was, it was reading Ayn Rand, it was the Fountainhead, it was uh, a class that you took, a film, you know, uh, one of those, uh, what, what would you call them, epiphantic moments? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I had a, a book exchange with a fellow actor friend of mine in my theater company. And uh, w we made an agreement to exchange five books with each other that, mm -hmm. that were import important. And, uh, and he gave me only two. He gave, <laughs> me the, he gave me The Fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged. Oh, wow. And uh, it's a lot of reading. reading. It was a lot of reading. <laughs> uh, my fare was a lot lighter, uh, like M. Scott Peck's The Road Less Traveled. Nice. Richard Bach's Illusions and I think Dan Millman's uh, Way of the Peaceful Warrior. I don't remember what the other two were, but they were somewhere in that. Maybe Fear and Trembling or something, you know, mm, things nice. like that. <laughs> um, good reads, but uh, I, I don't, and, and substantial in, in its uh, Fear and Trembling, I think would be more substantial than all of them, but. And maybe, and maybe Mark was the fifth one, a, co a, co a copy of the most recent Mad Magazine. Was that, was that on the table? <laughs> that, that, that should have been on the table. It should have been on the table, yeah. <laughs> that was my preferred reading in the 70s. Um, so um, I, I remember reading The Fountainhead, the end of The Fountainhead on a bus in, mm -hmm. in the valley here in California. And I took the bus all the way to the end of the line, at, which uh, ended at this massive boulevard and, and a huge grass island that separated two sides of the boulevard. And I just walked out to this grass island and collapsed in tears. Mm, wow. That's... Uh, I, if the, the tears weren't, weren't necessary, necessarily the tears of an epiphany. They, they were sort of a negative epiphany. Okay. In, in that, in reading this fantastic book about egoism and, and about uh, the artist's integrity uh, and the integrity of the ego and, and self-interest, I, I found so much of my inner life resonating hmm. with Peter Keating, the, one of the villains, the second-hander of the, of the story, sort of the tool of the main villain of the story. And, and I, I found myself, uh, I, I didn't know, and I also found elements of my personality that were very much like Howard Rourke, the hero of the story. I didn't know how to bridge the gap between the two. Hmm. And, and, no, and no solution was offered in the book. Um, but it sent me on a on a um, on an odyssey of of sorts where I pretty much read everything that Rand wrote, and um, and really became immersed in it and accepted much of her ideas, um, but intellectually I don't know that they had filtered down into my subconscious until probably. <laughs> the last few years, right. to be honest with you. Right. Well, and this is, I think this, I mean, to, to me, this sort of connects with your point earlier about the whole, the whole way. I mean, I'd like to think with age comes wisdom, but I'm not sure that's necessarily true. But, but over time in your experiences, it's, it's, you start to, um, you start to indwell it in a way, don't you? Yeah. I remember a story, Leonard Peikoff. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you're familiar with Leonard. Um, no. He's, he's, he's the intellectual heir for, for Ayn Rand, and he's a philosophy professor. 
it's taught all over the world. And he was talking about a concept and how it, it can finally resonate with you. And he was, he's okay, you're not, con- Mark, you're not going to believe yeah. me, but I actually, I actually listen, older man, right? Late, late eighties, probably mid eighties. Yeah. yeah I, I do know the name. As soon as you said it, I went, actually, I do know that. Yeah. I, I heard a podcast recently from him not that long ago. How odd is that? Anyway, go ahead. Wow. Yeah, he sort of retired. He actually did a radio show back in the early 90s. It was phenomenal. It, it was becoming syndicated in, the, in about a year uh, because his show was so unusual and so deep. But he was getting older and just he, he felt that the time to prepare the show was just inordinate. And he just he, he couldn't he couldn't uh, take all the uh, all the all the stresses and strains. He had to drop out. But anyway, he was one day he was writing a concept or a proposition on the on the chalkboard. And he looked at, he'd been writing that proposition for probably 20 years, and he looked at it and he said, that is right. And he had that internal movement in him where whatever that proposition was, um, actually actually became true to him Mm. in more than just the intellectual sense. And I feel like like, um, that's been happening with me with respecting objectivism um, only over the last uh, last few years. How would you, so I'm I'm guessing that some of my listeners will have read Rand and, and, and some will have not. Uh, remarkable that her book still sells so well. Uh, I think I read just uh, as I was prepping about 100,000 copies a year of The Fountainhead still are selling. I mean, that's that's pretty significant for, for somebody who was a best-selling author back in the 50s. Um, can, you, can you kind of unpack objectivism in a couple of – I mean, you call yourself a radical capitalist too, right? I do. <laughs> right. Which I love, by the way. I love that phrase. I don't think I've, I've ever heard that quite. I would say f- uh, f- um, uh, raging free market capitalist, maybe. That might be my phrase. But, but... I, I w- I w- Well, I would say radical only in this sense. Radical for me is, syn- is synonymous with consistent. Mm. So there's no, oh, po- there's no point at which I think individual rights should be violated. Right. Um, so... Nowadays, um, in in a world of mixed economies, um, where socialism and sort of some elements of free market uh, uh, exist, sort of in, in in combination with each other, I have to make that distinction. You know, because people associate our corporatist system today with a kind of capitalism, and it's not. Uh, you know, right. it's a corp- it's a corporatist system. It's a it's it's a mixed economy. It's some state controls and some free market, but in in, in essence, the <coughs> the government <coughs> has all the say over how one disposes one's property, and and uh, and so I have to make I have to delineate myself from from sort of the current atmosphere and and call my call myself by a name that sort of might give some people the heebie-jeebies. You know, radical is sort of a. <laughs> A scary thing to call yourself. Oh, sure. People. Yeah, no, I love this. I love the idea. The idea of being consistent and radical make make a lot of sense to me. So you you would say then the I mean was it Chesterton or Churchill somebody like that who said the free market has never been really I mean I'm, has never really been tried before, right? That is correct. Yeah, I, I think we came we came close to it. You know, in, in a, about a hundred and twenty or thirty year span from from the founding of our country up until about the mid eighteen hundreds or late eighteen hundreds. So yeah, so could you unpack this idea of objectivism for, for a quick, <laughs> quick, quick uh, philosophical lecture for us from from the front? You've got the lectern and the whiteboard. <laughs> it's all yours. 
that is massively intimidating. That is intimidating <laughs> as, a, as a white a blank page for a writer. The, um, yeah, I bet. Especially something as vast as a, as a philosophical system. It's pretty um, huge. It's a pretty ridiculous question. It's like saying, what's your, you know, give us your life history in 32 and a half seconds or less. I mean, it's, well, it's absurd. <laughs> You're right. Well, so I'll just, I'll just stick to sort of uh, the three aspects of philosophy, sure. meta metaphysics, epistemology, and ethics. And so I'll, I'll just say a just brief the three. Hey, just the three easy ones. <laughs> You're Yeah. You're right. We're going down this rabbit hole, I guess. That's right. Um, yeah, yeah. So for for uh, metaphysics, existence exists. Um, for epistemology, reason is your means of perceiving and integrating the uh, facts of existence. And uh, ethics is rational egoism mm. or rational self-interest. So that's that's the that's the that's a real thumbnail sketch sure. yep. of, uh, of objectivism. So, so, so metaphysically, we, we, we exist, therefore, therefore we kind of are, and that's, that's all we got. It's not, it's not in the head. It's not out there. It's, it's present. It's right now. And then we get there through reason. So we know by through, by and through reason. And I guess largely empirical, I would say, I guess. And, and then. Largely empirical, but yeah. also, uh, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't rationalize concepts away. So concepts are our means of, uh, of um, understanding um, reality. Right. It's, an exist it's a primacy of existence orientation right. um, towards uh, human consciousness. And then can you unpack the ethics for me a little bit more? So this idea of, of sort of, again, um, rational egoism or individualism, it sort of sounds almost contradictory to the notion of ethics in some ways. Well, I think, and that's where uh, objectivism is unique in in this in the field of ethics, because ethics is linked to hu human thriving mm. and mm -hmm. and 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 life. Uh, ethics is more or less a guide, a, a conceptual guide for life. That's what virtues are. Virtues sure. are, are are actions that we take. Um, for the betterment of our lives, in the pursuit of our of our interests and happiness, and and so, rather than detaching ethics from human want and human needs, and 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 even making ethics contrary to uh, human life, objectivism blended the two of them together and said, well, ethics is about living. It's they're a guide for life because a human consciousness is non-automatic. Uh, a rational consciousness is volitional. It, it can turn on or off. You, there's, there's, there's. It, it is a sort of, you know, people say, uh, people have um, uh, can't quite understand the notion of volition, and uh, and they don't understand that it's it's a cause. It's sort of an axiomatic concept. It, mm. It's its own. It's its own cause, and because of that, because of that, we can or can't. Uh, we should or shouldn't. Um, we, we 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 could or couldn't or don't have to uh, apply our, our mind uh, to 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 the problem of existence. Um, we need a guide. We have no automatic knowledge. We have no we have no uh, um, instantaneous sense for what's right or wrong. We we need to um, we need to know things and learn these things, and, and that's what. Uh, Morality provides us with that. And by volition, you would probably you would say choice or uh, um, intention. 
Is, is that a fair? I would say I would say volition into an objectivist is the cho- is the choice to focus or not, the choice mm. to think or not. Right. So not that, not even necessarily about the concretes between do I want chocolate ice cream or or vanilla right. ice cream? Yeah. And 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 now are we are, are we sort of back to being radically consistent now? <laughs> um, I hope so. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it's, it sounds like a, sounds like kind of a perfect, perfect link to me. Love to hear a little bit more about, uh, about the, the, your, your party, the political party, your co-founder of it. Um, but I want to just ask you a bit, I want to talk a little bit more about, about some of the work you've done as an artist and an actor. I mean, to, you know, imagination, thought, creativity, um, is, is, does it make sense to you that you've sort of gone down this political, ethical and philosophical road with the work that you've been doing for so many years? working in that world of, of imagination, I guess? I think it does because I think, you know, the, the primary work of an actor is self-exploration. Right. Um, you know, you, you bring yourself to everything that you do and you, you want to bring the deepest, uh, most fullest, most full understanding of, of life and, uh, human circumstances that you can bring to bear on any situation that you're confronting in, in, uh, in your acting world. So it inspires, it should inspire, um, intellectual curiosity mm-hmm. and every role that mm-hmm. you do should also inspire, uh, intellectual curiosity and, and, um, and it's, you're sort of compelled by virtue of the desire to, to fulfill the part, to travel down roads you might not ordinarily travel down. And, and <clears throat> that, that requires a, a lot of study, you know? So, yeah, I think, I think that the, my philosophical evolution and, and, and then expressing that evolution in the form of a, of a political party has all sort of been grist for the artistic mm-hmm. mill. You know, it's all been part of the process of, of, growing and learning and being as as endlessly curious as I think uh, a, a striving potential artist as like myself should be. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to talk about human flourishing and about maybe the greatest good, and, and I don't necessarily mean that from a utilitarian point of view, but you, you, you need to talk about those spaces. There's, there's, there's a deep need for the arts. There's a, we, you know, isn't this what creativity is really all about? How do we provide a space for our kids and our communities and our, you know, families and friends to, to, to actually be able to do that? And that's kind of what you're talking about, isn't it? It is. And I think, I think narratives are great learning tools. Mm. There's a re there's a reason Rand wrote Fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged right. before she wrote introduction to objectivist epistemology. I mean, the uh, philosophy embodied in human action, uh, that's what we are seeing when we when we read her her books. The the potential on on both sides for great for great human evil and great human good are are both are both illustrated in in very um, uh, clear terms in, in books like that. And I think that's the ultimate goal that any writer should have or any any artist should have is to either either reflect something beautiful or to or to take down something ugly, you know, and nice. Uh, yeah. I think I think good artists are 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 sort of the barometer of the culture, but they're also they're also uh, the, I think they're they're independent thinkers. 
And I don't see I don't see a lot of that in our culture today. I, I see great actors who hold on to bromides um, like there's no tomorrow, and and are are able to apply great creativity to their work, but not not to their ethics or politics or social outlook. And and um, and and will will um, will will strive for great liberty and freedom in their work, but but extol policies that that do quite the opposite so, restrain restrain so, people so walk so walking contradictions walking contradictions and that that's another thing that i love about rand is that her her system of thought is about integrate integration integrating knowledge in mm-hmm. a non-contradictory mm-hmm. way and if you find contradictions hmm. in in what you're thinking you have to suss that out you have to you have to weed out that contradiction by finding what's so something is false find what's false and get it out of there. So, so, so in other words, and, and, and reason will get us there. So think, so thinking about this, working, working through this, testing it, uh, this is what the laboratory is for. This is what debate is about. It's about getting to a better place, right? Agreed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, when we're talking about principles of ethics, though, it's not like you can put it in a laboratory right. and test it. And unfortunately, right. when, when, when we, a lot easier. End, Right. When we end with sort of axiomatic concepts, it's it's just you see it or you don't. I don't. You, where do we go? So you know what's um, so fascinating to me, Mark, is I love I love the paradox of this sort of uh, <coughs> you know this individualism alongside of creativity that's actually going to lead us to um, to this notion of of human flourishing, which I guess ironically is really ultimately going to benefit the other as well. Right, so so it, I, I it will yeah yeah because the if the 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 idea yeah so I I come from uh, um you know a lot of the work that I've done over the last twenty years has been in development and it's about it's about empowering communities and so on but I mean it would many of the people uh you know that I'm rubbing shoulders with would 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 come out against somebody you know like you and this is I guess why you're saying you know maybe <laughs> maybe you're gonna not be invited to as many cocktail parties uh, <laughs> over the next few years as you dig deeper but I, I, I it, it does strike me as a little bit of a, a contradiction maybe paradox is a better word I think I think once again they've they've assumed right and morals um, mm have to do with a negation of the self right and and nothing could be further from the truth and that's a hard sell i mean altruistic uh spins on on ethics have been culturally dominant for a couple of thousand years and um and selling someone on the you know uh, just, just merely on the idea that you know ethics is about the pursuit of, of the good in in your life, in your own life, and that the purpose of uh, moral code is, is human thriving and happiness, um, not self-sacrifice, denial, negation, uh, or any or death even, you know, or or sacrifice. It's it's actually about gain and and good and health and and the the more you do those things rationally the better it is for you it it so happens that we live in a trader society more mm. or less i mean the trader society is is one built on mutual gain where each right. person goes for their self-interest but they understand that we live in a society of right and liberty and we can only exchange with another human being as an equal and that's what the, the to me are the, the 
sort of the, is the prescription for a trade. Two people equals who are legal equals coming together to benefit from some exchange between each other on their own terms. There may be compromises in those terms that they have to make with each other, but you know, in the end, both win. As opposed to the zero-sum game of, uh, of altruism. Does this work? Do you think this works in, in – uh, can I, can I, I'm just going to read this here. We uphold the principle of individual rights, quote, our philosophy of life permeates our political principles. We stand for reason, for individual rights, for limited constitutional government, and for laissez-faire capitalism, close quote. That's right off of the American <coughs> Capitalist Party's website. By the way, folks, that's theamericancapitalistparty.com. Um, does, Mark, does that work? does that work globally? Is that going to work in, in, in Malawi? Is that going to work in Mongolia? Um, or is this, would you say, more of a, uh, you know, sort of Western philosophical kind of uh, position to take? I, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting question. Uh, let, me rev let me just turn it around on you. Yeah, yeah, go. Um, will reason and liberty work mm. anywhere? Mm. Uh, to me, those are u universally applicable um, principles. Well, and the short and the short answer, the short answer seems to be yes, right? It, it, of course. To yeah. Me. Yeah. Now, 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 cultures you know steeped in deep tradition or or uh, irrationalism could very well reject these things, mm -hmm. but that doesn't that 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 can't deny the reality that human beings are beings of a particular kind. We live in a particular kind of universe and a particular kind of action is prescribed to us based on our natures. Right. It, it, can't, it can't deny that re reasoning beings must reason to live and that in order to, to live and to reason, we have to be free from compulsion. And so we set up societies, if we're going to live in societies, because it is beneficial to us to live in societies, where that principle becomes a primary where we we have uh, whatever apparatus we set up um, is about the mitigate the mitigation of violence and force and and it's and it's and it's it's uh, it's and specifications for its use being very clear to everybody do you do you would you say I, I so love everything we're talking about? And by the way, we're I, unfortunately we're going to have to wrap it up in a couple of minutes. And I just I love conversations where you just you, you hit record, and and you're like, what? Are you kidding me? We're we're almost done. We're uh, <laughs> bar barely scratching the surface. Um, as I uh, figured would be the case. Do, do you, I think you said early out right out of the gate? You know. Uh, radical capitalism, something uh, objectivism, <coughs> often misunderstood. Do you feel misunderstood? Um, you know, uh, I mean, to me, you said, you know, so clear. Uh, you should be at the front of the class. You know, t t teaching this stuff. It seems to me, maybe you already are. I don't know, but but uh, yeah, tell me about that um, that frustration that you you must feel as you as you're taking this the American Capitalist Party, uh, I guess, into the into the 21st century. I mean, our political world has gone from a world in which the Federalist Papers were published in newspapers and the average citizen would read the arguments for and against the Constitution and make up their minds, to one in which entire political philosophies are encapsulated in three words. Right. So when you, when you have so a... That's so funny. When you have a, a complex... When you have a philosophical or ethical ideal that requires validation on a somewhat detailed, in a somewhat detailed manner, 
it's it's fairly hard to go up against the the bromide spouting, uh, you know, cliche riddled mm. politicians of the day who spout these these amorphous phrases out in the world that mean everything to everyone, and uh, like hope and change, or you know, make America great again. All these nonsensical phrases they really have no meaning whatsoever. They're not attached to anything. Well, it's to get up there and talk about individual rights, you, you, you're, 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 it's a bit of an uphill battle, right? right. And and you, so, in addition to the dumbing down of the political world, you, you you also have a society that is more or less beginning to accept elements of statism as a given. In America, this was a this was this was this was a recent a relatively recent development. America was unique in its development. Um, and and so was able to sort of avoid the pitfalls of Europe and the rest of the world for for quite a while, but now, you know, we're we're sort of presuming um, political uh, the truth of political institutions and 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 ideas. Uh, how, how am I going to say? We're, we're sort of. We're sort of making the same presumptions. That's what I want to say right. about the political institutions that they've been doing in that they've been doing in Europe for for years and years and years and years. So it's it's definitely an uphill battle when when people presume the state has to be this, and you say, well, no, actually, it should be this, uh, and you don't have. You can't say it in three words. Well, and and Mark, where do you? Oh man, it makes me crazy that we're we're having to wrap up here in a few minutes. But where 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 do you have those conversations, right? I mean, if if we're and listen, I'm not anti Twitter, I'm not anti Instagram or social media, but if 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 this is where we're getting our news largely, and we're not going deep, and we're not going for substance, or maybe we are. Maybe maybe there's an argument for. Uh, you know, I, I look at some of the, I have an 11 and a 13 year old. I look at some of the questions they're asking and, and, and some of the things they've already been introduced to at a really young age. I go, wow, you're way farther ahead than I was, mm. you know? And so anyway, I just wonder what, what are your thoughts about that? Like, is it the university? Uh, is it the Rotary Club? Uh, or, or is it the, is it the, is it the, the movie theater? Is that, is that where people are getting some of this? Oh, I mean, I think the university is a, a, a huge culprit in, in the disintegration of the American mm. mind. Mm. Um, but, and culture participates in it as well. Culture is sort of, you know, downstream from the, everything's downstream from the university. So it's all affected by this uh, nihilistic um, sort of postmodernist uh, nonsense. It's disintegrating nonsense that's, that's going on in the universities. But I think, I think social media can be a sort of antidote to it. Right, um, because because it's it's in it, there's so many bad things about it, but there's also so many good things about mm-hmm. it, and that it, it gives these alternative voices actually a, a microphone and a platform. And for me, as as crappy as Twitter can be, um, <laughs> you know the the how many characters you have, two hundred characters yeah. or whatever it is now, what, whatever that limit is, forces you to a sort of unit economy that I like. Mm. If I can get if I can crunch my ideas into greater and greater spare words that say more, um, then I know I'm, I'm, I'm benefiting my cause somewhere down the line. Yeah, no, that's cool. And maybe, maybe that's where we, where we should end it. That to me comes back again. If, and tell me if I'm wrong on this, but it sounds like you're be, you're just being radically consistent again. 
There you go. Try yeah. It. Listen, I, I, wow, what a, what a great time. We've been, we've been talking with Mark Pellegrino. He's the, the co-founder of the American Capitalist Party. You can check them out online for more information there. Film and TV actor of, of great note. You've got to check them out. Mark, we barely talked about your, your career as, a, as an actor, and I, I apologize for that. Maybe, maybe we can do a part, part two down the road. Can you, can you tell me one? Okay, let's, let's end here. How's this? One of the sure. roles or two of the roles that you would say that kind of, hmm, that that narratively have um, supported the work that you're going to do, uh, you know, as a radical capitalist, uh, as I? yeah, as the you know, as you're hmm, you're trying to change hearts and minds. <laughs> is that is that a is that a crazy question? I mean, I, I, because I I don't think I've ever acted in a part that resembles me, <laughs> right, um, or my beliefs. Um, I. I I can only attack that from a certain perspective, which is what parts have enabled me to have an audience mm. or a platform to be able to talk about these ideas. Mm, I would good. say, I would say, you know, my sci-fi work with supernatural sure. and lost and, um, being human. Uh, and then now 13 reasons why has, uh, which I've been in for three years has, has enabled me to open up another platform, uh, with respect to suicide um, and suicide awareness. Um, and so that I think has enabled a, a, a enough of a fan base to get the word out. Yeah, very, very practical. I heard somewhere, I think I, I read somewhere online that you uh, um, didn't actually audition for the role for Lucifer for Supernatural. Is that true? That is true. So that's a little troubling to me, Mark. It was, it's troubling to me. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I, I look at Lucifer differently than most people I, do, so yeah, maybe not so troubling. I bet you do, and that is wow. That just you opened another door for me to to walk down in, <laughs> into a new and in, into a new hallway. I have had such a wonderful time uh, with you here today. Thank, thanks again, Mark, for a great conversation. Mark Pellegrino, uh, film and TV actor, he's the co-founder of the American Capitalist Party. Here with us today on Face to Face. Thanks, thanks, Mark. Thanks, man. It's great. You're great. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage of the French Open begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.